Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. Fresh is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a team operating system for the modern employer, redefining connection and productivity through web-based personal operating profiles combined with AI dashboards. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess Pagoni, co-founder and CEO of Luna. We are here today. I am live with Steve Van Valen, who is the founder of Culturology. He is a partner at Consinity, and he's also the author of a forthcoming book called The Search for Meaning at Work. And Steve and I have known each other for a long time. We decided we needed to jump on, get some video going here about this new term that has overtaken the internet called quiet quitting. Steve, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. Great to be with you. Can't wait to talk about this with you. I know. So, okay. The first time I saw quiet quitting as I was was scrolling through LinkedIn, I was like, what in the world are we talking about now? So I'm going to pose you the, the question, Steve. When you see the term quiet quitting or based on the research or reading that you have done, how do you define it? What do you think quiet quitting is and why has it kind of sparked this wildfire on the internet? Yeah, I think quiet quitting has become quite loud. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's made the headlines and it's kind of that last story on the even the network news or the local news. <laughs> so the term itself, I think, really resonated with people. <laughs> and, and so uh, we're talking about it. And it's interesting because I believe, and maybe a lot of other people do too, this has been going on forever since the beginning of work, the history of time, the idea of quiet quitting. But I think now it's kind of the first time that people are openly discussing it, or maybe have the guts to talk about it, which in a way is good. So we've been able to surface it. And then so people are getting underneath, well, what does this mean? And what are the ramifications for me? So I think in a way, that that's good that it's surfaced and made such a loud splash here for all of us. I love it. So how would you, for anyone listening or watching, that's thinking, but what is it? Like, what exactly is quiet quitting? How would you define it for the audience? Yeah, I mean, this is a term that's been around for a while that absolutely is pinpoint replication. It's it's really about discretionary effort. So. If you can sort of picture an arc, you know, at the highest level of discretionary effort, it's sort of the I want to do line of effort. Like, I want to do these things. I'm making choices to put forth my energy, my talent, my care toward the work I'm doing. And then everyone has sort of figured out this dotted line that says, if I go below this line, I'm going to get in trouble or risk being fired. And so that's sort of the minimum requirement line. And I, quiet quitting is where they're taking the arc to be right above that minimal requirement line. So it, the amount of discretionary effort, when you think of discretion, that means I have a choice. 
they've decided purposely and intentionally to make the choice to ride right above the minimal requirement lines to not be fired. So they may call it quitting, but they're still staying. They they quit and stay. That was a the term we used to call this before. Quit and stay. Okay, quit and stay. But okay, I, I'm I'm also curious about like doesn't this mean they're doing their job right? So it's are they underperforming at the work that they're doing, or are they doing a perfectly adequate job? It's just that they're not going doing the like hundred and fifty percent. Well, it would totally depend on the role that they have. If they're responsible or the discretion, the choices that they're making are influencing things like safety at the workplace or quality control, or maybe they have a customer or client facing role where they're building relationships, then if they're not putting forth a higher level of choice you know, or discretion on how they approach that, of course, they're underperforming. And the only way a sort of a company or a manager, or a team could kind of manage a whole bunch of people with quiet quitting is if they know that ahead of time and, the, and they can make up for it by putting more bodies to the job. But I, I think anyone who's being hired, unless they're on an you know, old fashioned industrial sort of management where they're cranking out a number of widgets or making a certain number of phone calls, we expect people to have discretion in what they do. And we expect them to use their brain power to think for, you know, through their job to say, wow, I could do this and, and supersede the client's expectations by delivering this. This is what we want from people. So yeah, they are underperforming if they're at that, that lowest line there. Okay. So the reason we're hearing about this now, maybe because quiet quitting is very catchy, but also do you think there are more people in this category right now than maybe have been before? So you talked about like, we're kind of bringing it to the surface, but is it that we also have like a critical mass there as well? Yeah, the fact that it's sort of out now, out in the open and more acceptable people. Uh, yeah, it, I think that gravitational pull or that social acceptance certainly is having an impact. Do we have more people than ever? I, I get the sense of that. And, you know, part of it is certainly coming off of the pandemic, right, where the research is showing that people have this emotional exhaustion, you know, doing more with less. And then the way we can communicate with each other that's overwhelming and causing so much multitasking to the point where it just looks like an avalanche coming down on all of us. The amount of work that we can do, even beyond like what's required of us, the amount of work that we can do because of the how rapidly we can communicate and exchange things with people. That's the thing that I, I believe has caused them to go, oh my gosh. Like, this is not worth it. I can't play in that sphere this long. I'm going to pull back. It's ruining my stress levels, my psyche, my ability to do some of those things that I want to do in my life, whether it's, you know, taking a mountain bike ride or, or going for a hike or hanging out and binge watching something. But it's taken away from that. And so they're making the choice in the opposite direction. Couldn't agree more that people have reassessed how am I spending my time? I think unilaterally, everyone is saying, how am I spending my time? Am I spending it the way I want to spend it? I think that this quiet quitting is the pendulum swinging pretty far in one direction. I also think the other direction is 
burnout, right? Like you're so burnt out and they probably meet somewhere, you know, a circle kind of eventually they, it'll, it'll meet those two sides, but like, what's in the middle then? Like, what's the sweet spot? What are we actually striving for? Well, I think we were more accepting of being burned out when we were doing it with somebody else. When I was working with people elbow to elbow every day, we had the power to raise each other up. You know, think about a sports team that's exhausted. You know, it's the fourth quarter and they look at each other and they go, it's the fourth quarter. We got to rally and pull this together. And we had that capacity to do that when we are more connected and feel like we belong to something together as a team. But with work from home, the virtual separation, that connection is way altered. Let's face it. You may be thinking the same way in your home office as I am, but I'm not seeing you, hearing you, rubbing elbows with you at the in the lunchroom or whatever it is where I can sense that we can raise each other up. If I'm your manager, I'm not going to notice that as much either. And I, we're just not having those kind of connective conversations where relationships take place, where I have the ability to empathize for you. And that's clearly like burnout, depletion of empathy are some of the worst things that have come from the pandemic that we're seeing and now are being clearly measured. This is not, you know, theoretical. They, you know, this is clearly measured and, uh, you know, part of what we need to address here going forward. So is there a sweet spot? I think, you know, I think it's finding ways to reconnect with each other. Even if you are working from home, the tools that we have in front of us give us that ability, but we have to be intentional about it. Well, you know, you're speaking my language because we're, Luna is all about connection, really driving belonging um, and the word empathy. So on the Fresh Takes podcast that I am host of, we talk a lot about the values in the word fresh. So freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, and how those five values are really core to operating in the future of work and really the right now of work. And empathy is one that I do think in some ways you're citing the data, like we, there's been a depletion of it. And I think sometimes that's because we're just moving too fast and not taking the time to truly understand people and create those connections, as you mentioned. I think on, on the flip side, there are likely some organizations, some teams where empathy has been dialed way, way, way up in really positive ways to help people feel seen and heard and understood. But like, what, what can people do right now to maybe get more of that empathy in order to hit that sweet spot? Well, I think for a manager, let's focus on where, you know, engagement sort of lives and dies, right? With that manager relationship with their team, thinking through how you can appreciate people for that extra work that discretionary effort that they may be exhibiting. If they're on the teeter-totter for whether or not to continue doing that or drop down to sort of quiet quitting mode, what can you do to make that extra effort, that choice that they make feel meaningful to them? And you have to empathize, like, you know, that's where it starts. That's the core piece. Like the for me to know what motivates you or what you're most proud of in your in your world or the things that give you glimmer in your eye when you think about the work that you're doing, for me to come back out and then support you by saying, you know what, 
that meant a lot when you did this. And it meant a lot to me personally, too, as a manager, because guess what? My hair is on fire, too, every day. And you're helping, you know, me and the team get through this. And I I just want to let you know that and and thank you. And the person, you know, after they pick themselves off the floor and go, oh, my gosh, like somebody finally recognized it. That reinforces that choice. Quiet. We don't want quiet quitting to be sort of like the default mode. We want to reinforce and give that meaning to the work that they're doing. So that starts with just even having simple conversations where we can express appreciation to each other. Kind of the common sort of expression that's been around for a long time on this is catching people doing things right. Having that mindset of empathy, like, what are they doing right? I got to think through it from their perspective. And if we don't know each other as well as we need to, that makes it a little bit harder. And I, you know, what you're doing with Luna is kind of revealing those choices that people can make on how to empathize better. And as an introvert, it's kind of hard to climb inside that world a lot of times. Some of us need that help. I have learned the most about introverts from you, Steve. I think my years of knowing you, I have valued greatly all of your perspectives and education on what it's like to be an introvert. And how you engage with the world, I think it it really is super enlightening. So thank you, as always, for shining the spotlight on that as well. My pleasure. Well, I'm an an introvert who likes to extrovert. How's that? Oh, yeah. I have one more question for you, Steve, before we wrap this one up for today is, so your book that's coming out, The Search for Meaning at Work, really powerful, I think, especially right now, because everyone's trying to figure out, again, why do I do this? And what comes back to me as a result? And you've identified these 11 amplifiers that help. You might have a combination of those amplifiers as an individual that help you derive meaning from work. Can you share just maybe a couple of high-level thoughts about how people could employ that mindset a bit when they're engaging with their teams or their colleagues about how meaning really drives ROI at work? Sure. Well, when it comes to like purpose and meaning, we actually need to be multitaskers. In other words, the purpose of our life doesn't just come from one thing. And at work, it comes from many things. And so we can turn those amplifiers up. I can't give you meaning, but I can actually make it more apparent to you by turning up those amplifiers. So when you think about like the most basic one that really gives an ROI to a work team or to a business is simply tapping into the self-satisfaction amplifier and a quiet quitting. It's pretty evident that they're not being satisfied doing that work. So they're dropping down to another level, but simply saying, what could make this work more interesting to you and do a better job at, at our processes or whatever you're focused on tapping into people and asking them their opinion on how things could be better at work. What ideas do you have in your hopper? that you'd be excited to tackle if I could empower you to do so. (gasps) Well, guess what? I've never approached somebody where they go, gee, I never thought about that before. What do you think we think about 24-7? And so for me to be able to ask you that and give you the self-satisfaction to then go after it would be a way that I can turn that amplifier up and let you hear it in your own harmony world that you need you know, to feel excited about approaching it. So that's just one. It kind of starts there. But you know, as a manager, to just simply, again, back to empathy, empathize that 
that person has an idea on how to improve things around here, I need to have the guts to just simply go ask them and empower them to be able to go after it. And if I do that, they're going to feel it. I think empowerment is such a great reminder because everyone wants to be empowered in some way, shape or form. And tapping into that self-satisfaction amplifier, I think incredible wisdom and advice for today, Steve. I feel like we will have lots more opportunity to discuss quiet quitting or whatever the next term might be that comes along. But really fascinating to dive into this today. Thanks for jumping on with me and having the dialogue. And as always, really appreciate your point of view. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks so much. Grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you anytime. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, Steve. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you, everyone else, for listening in. And don't forget to stay fresh.